0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California, in theory. What a joy, honor, privilege to be with you all once again. And here today, tonight for me, today for him, I have the opportunity to talk to a legend of Juggalo Championship Wrestling, but not just a legend in JCW, a a champion and a legend in life. He is the one, he is the only, he is Rude Boy. What's going on, bro?
1: Uh, hey, how you doing, brother? First off, I want to thank you for allowing me to be a part of this show. I'm 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 very um, I'm very honored by that, and I thank you for uh, taking the time to talk to me. Uh, Australia, I have I have a special place in my heart for Australia. One of my favorite TV shows of all time, Wentworth, is out of Australia, and I love it. And uh, I'm I'm excited, man.
0: I'm glad to hear, bro. Uh, Yes. No, very exciting for me too, to learn a little bit about you. And uh, first question, usually on the show here, Root Boy, is um, when you were younger, much younger, how did you become a fan of professional wrestling?
1: Well, my father, um, my father took me to my very first wrestling match at one years old. And um, because my mother had a night where she was going out to hang out with her friends uh and go to play bingo here in Detroit. And there was a big match at Cobo Arena in Detroit between the Sheik and Bobo Brazil. And uh my father didn't want to miss it, so he packed up uh some diapers, got some milk, and took me to my very first wrestling match. And uh uh as as the old saying is, you know, I was hooked from day one i guess and um but yeah it's it's uh i've been going to wrestling all my life that's all i can remember to be honest
0: well that's amazing bro especially you know for to to be able to witness a matchup of of that magnitude as well that's pretty cool um (laughs) so uh as you started growing up through the years you were always you know solidly a wrestling fan and did you always think to yourself this is something i'm going to do when i'm older
1: absolutely it's in my new book um the fun house uh, uh the fun house the rudy hill story my life the Funhouse*, the rudy hill story which you can find on amazon um uh yeah it's it's a dream that i've always achieved and i've always wanted to be a part of see the neighborhood that i come from is uh, predominantly mexican uh chicano and uh either you were a drug dealer or you were a gang member and uh I used to tell all of my homies, man, I'm going to become a wrestler. And they were all like, yeah, whatever, you're crazy. And I did. I went on and I went and became a professional wrestler. And uh, for those who aren't dead or in prison, there are the same guys that say, "Hey, could you give me tickets to the next event? And uh, so, yeah, I'm living a dream, I never understood why some people would always tell me, man, I could have, I would have, I should have. Why didn't you just do it? Just be, do what you do. Do what you love. Do what your passion is. If it's working at McDonald's, then do it to the best of your ability. If you want to be a wrestler, get your ass out there and go do it. It's, it dreams are achievable
0: absolutely bro like you know uh, it's the same for me like I, I always wanted to do it i didn't get to do it on a high level i got to do it here in my city uh locally as a weekend warrior so the fact that i actually did it and i got to do it hey it maybe wasn't on a massive scale but at least i could say i went for it and i tried um so well, i totally...
1: wait 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 well the deal is is it was on a massive scale it was on a giant scale because you took the time you took the effort. You had the balls to get in there and do it. So it's on a it's on a bigger than Madison Square Garden scale because you did it. You didn't sit back and say, "I wish I would have." You got your ass out there and did it, and I commend you for that, bro.
0: Thanks, bro. Yeah, you know what? I'm just gonna. I'll be honest. I was fucking pretty good. I was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> uh, so okay. Uh, You you, you start getting into the wrestling business, uh, I assume. Uh, Is there someone that you you go to to get your training, Uh, someone locally? How did you find your way into getting involved?
1: Well, my father used to work for General Motors. My father, he came straight from Mexico. And um, he was one of the, uh, the, the bosses at General Motors. On my 18th birthday, all I had to do was go sign a paper and I had a job for life at General Motors, making good money, really good money. And as I was on my way driving to, um, driving to uh, General Motors in Hamtramck, Michigan, I just decided I can't do this. I, I love my father. He was my hero. He was someone who I respected more than any man in this world. But I didn't wanna be him. I didn't wanna be him where he come home where his hands were bleeding from working on the assembly line. And that's no disrespect to him because he took care of his family. I wanted something different. I wanted something, I wanted to achieve my dream. So I continued on and I drove away and I went to see um, Mr. Al Costello of the Fabulous Kangaroos, who is also a Australian native and and a true, wrestling legend and I started my training with him. I did training with um uh Sweet Daddy Malcolm Monroe who is a giant here in um uh independent wrestling in Detroit and of course the Noble Sheikh uh one of the greatest of all times. So I I I got to really um be with some made guys. The difference between wrestling back then and wrestling today is nobody has to pay any fucking dues. They just go They rent a ring or they buy a ring and they rent a building and they say, I'm a wrestler. That's just like saying I'll go and buy a police officer's uniform and become a cop. That's bullshit. You have to pay your dues. You have to take your time and you have to learn your craft. And I'm glad that I was brought up with those legends and those made men in the wrestling business where I had to bust my ass before I could even get into the ring. I was a ring announcer. I sold popcorn, I set up the chairs, I tore down the chairs. I mean, um, I I did everything before I even got my first match. And and I'm glad that I paid my dues and did it that way, because I do believe that that's the correct way. However, it was something that I wanted to do, and I decided I was going to do it. And why not? Just go do it.
0: Yeah that's incredible bro that you you were at that crossroads in your life in the car on the way there to General Motors you know if you didn't turn around then who knows you might have been working you know in, a, in a, a factory like that for many years and maybe you wouldn't have been happy uh, with with uh, the decision that you made to do that you turned around and you, I think that's really cool bro that's really cool
1: <laughs> it's it's something that you know um one every so often in your life you are, you are put in a position where you have to make a tough decision. And was that decision tough? I, I, to be honest with you, brother, I could be living like a king right now because I, I would have been making so, so much money at General Motors. However, you cannot take away the memories that I've had and shared in the ring with some of the greats of all time.
0: Definitely, and I've looked at some of the list of your opponents and uh, you were definitely on the money there. Uh, but one person I did want to bring up, because you did mention Mr. Costello, uh, and yes. I know that this this uh, friend of yours also uh, was uh, quite close with him as well, uh, the one and only Violent Jay from ICP. Uh, was this how you became friends with him? Did you become friends with him through, through Mr. Costello or did you know him prior?
1: Actually, um, uh, Violent J and myself and Shaggy, too dope. uh, We all met at a wrestling show in downtown Detroit. It was at Joe Louis Arena. And the main event was uh, Kamala, the Ugandan giant against Hulk Hogan. And we met and we became friends and we became really tight. I went to Al Costello first. Then Violent J came along. And um, me and Violent J, Joe Bruce, we, we've been friends ever since then, since I was 14 years old and I'm 51 years old now. So more than half of my life, he's been my best friend. So is Joey Shaggy too though. And I'm proud of the accomplishments that all of us together did. That's one of the cool things is that we we surround ourselves around people that are go-getters and people that um uh, that strive for greatness not just a bunch of suckers that don't do nothing with their lives, man. We surround ourselves around people who want to make it and have big dreams and want to achieve those dreams.
0: Awesome, bro. Yeah, talk about um, some go getters. That's, that's certainly those two right there. And um, I want, because this is like in my research, this is a massive blank spot for me because the internet can be so useless sometimes when I want to get the information that I require. Um, so before there's any sort of uh, massive success for ICP or any sort of, um, you know, JCW coming about in the late 90s. Tell me a little bit about your early career, um, you know, and and I guess, you know, the, the, the whole uh, uh, learning process for you and 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 paying those dues.
1: Well, like I said, you know, I started um, I started out just being in the ring crew, putting up the ring. Um, and uh, then I then I was the, given the opportunity to become a ring announcer. And um, I did that really well. I enjoyed it, actually. And then I became a manager. I, I I started managing Sweet Daddy Malcolm Monroe, and I actually managed uh, the fabulous Kangaroos, uh, Al Costello and Bulldog Don Kent on a couple shows, which was a dream come true of mine. Um, and then just little by little, getting that process of okay, now you're getting ready to be in the ring. Now you're getting ready to be a part of you know working different guys and stuff and. I was fortunate enough to to learn from a lot of the local independent guys that were really, really good at their craft. Unfortunately, they weren't given the opportunity to see the WWF or NWA at the time. They were just doing pretty much local shows, but they were great guys. And uh, I'm glad to say that I got to work with guys like Woody Lee and, uh, again, Sweet Daddy Malcolm Monroe. And... Uh, the blacksmith and a bunch of guys that a lot of people probably never heard of, but they really meant a lot in my life, in, in, in my whole deal.
0: Awesome, bro. Awesome. And, uh, you know, I, I, I want to again, bring it back to talk a little bit about your friends, ICP, uh, cause I, I want to, I just want your perspective seeing this take place because you know, these days, a lot of people, when they reach, uh, fame or, things of that nature and become well-known a lot of the time it could just happen overnight something becomes viral and the next thing they're they're famous whereas back back in the 90s you had to work to get there you had to work your ass off to get there from the ground up um so i'm sure you were along with them for the ride the whole time tell me what that was like being able to witness that uh, it, you know in the best seat in the house as far as i'm concerned
1: let, let, let me say this. We started this uh, this company, psychopathic records, in um Alex Abyss's mother's basement. We all had a dream and we all believed in one another and we all fought for one another. And it's in my book again, um My Life, the Fun House, um, the Rudy Hill story. And um we busted our asses. It wasn't easy like today just getting on the internet, downloading your shit and putting it out there. We used to get in vans and we used to travel. I'm talking about thousands of miles from Detroit, Michigan, to Dallas, Texas, to Los Angeles, California, to St. Louis, Missouri. I mean, you name it. We traveled this world in a van, five of us, handing out flyers, handing out CDs, handing out cassettes. And, um, we were just, we just knew one thing. There was no plan B. There was only plan A. And we were gonna succeed or we were gonna fail, but not by not busting our asses and making sure that we made it happen. And uh, let me tell you something, brother. Those were hard nights, especially in a van that didn't have any heat and it would be freezing. And we would have to lay on top of literally crates and crates of cassettes and CDs because we had nowhere to sit in it, in the van, because all of us would be crammed in there. But I'll tell you what, hard work and determination paid off, you know, um, you know six gold albums, three platinums, not bad for a, a bunch of kids from Southwest Detroit who once again had a dream that and had to fulfill that dream.
0: (laughs) Fuck yeah, bro. That's amazing. And look, I'm not going to keep prying for a heap of information about um, all of this because, Hey, if people want all that information, my life, the fun house, this is what this interview is for. I'm wanting to help you promote to your Australian juggalos down here of that story. So, um, I appreciate um, any information you want to give me, but if you want to hold back on any of it because of the book, totally cool with me. I understand. But um, thank you for giving me a little bit of a snippet there. That's awesome, bro. Um,
1: Absolutely. You know, you know, I'm excited, man. We're going to be coming back to Australia in 2022. As long as the pandemic allows us, we're coming back. And uh, I'm excited. You know, I, I, I've always loved Australia and, and, uh, The people there are always so good. The Juggalos are amazing, amazing. I love it. Yeah, man,
0: I I believe uh, if I'm if I am correct, it was 2012. I might be wrong, though, that ICP was in my city last, but I didn't actually end up going to the show. I wasn't able to make it um so since then and it might not be 2012 it might have been a different year but since then i've just been dying for <laughs> for the guys to come back here and uh so i'm hopeful that when you when it does happen you guys will come to perth western australia
1: <laughs> most definitely man then we gotta come to your studio and sit down with you <laughs> excellent bro by that
0: point I'll, I'll be in my new house so uh um it, it'll it'll be a nicer setup than just my backyard uh, <laughs> but you gotta start from somewhere right <laughs> you, hey, you're guys, in the van yeah, right man you're in the van traveling thousands of miles i'm in my backyard soon there's going to be a nice little home studio for myself so uh my hard work it, is paying
1: dude. off. i love <laughs> it don't stop believing man just like journey said don't stop believing man <laughs> Good
0: call, bro. Uh, And I'm going to fast forward it now because uh, in my research, this was the first name that I saw you working with that just widened my eyes. And it was December 19th, 1999, the first JCW show at the St. Andrews Hall. You worked with Abdullah the Butcher and it wouldn't be the last time you worked with him. Um, (laughs) how, How was it working with the big man?
1: Abdullah the Butcher um, was uh, at first, the very first time we worked each other, he was so brutal. He beat the holy hell shit out of me. However, I came back the next time and the next time and the next time. And to this day, to this very day, myself and Abdullah the Butcher are very good friends. He's one of my dear friends and I, I earned his respect by coming back now. There's other wrestlers out there. Well, not other wrestlers. There's a wrestler from Canada. And um, his name is Hannibal and he's full of shit. He sits around and he talks about how Abdullah the Butcher gave him hepatitis. And that's crazy because me, Madman Pondo, Two Tough Tony, none of us have hepatitis and we all wrestled Abdullah the Butcher and we all were bleeding like crazy. So I th- I'm calling bullshit on him, and you can put this as a thumbnail. Fuck you, Hannibal, and your bullshit.
0: <laughs> so great to have somebody say that on my show because I'll be perfectly honest, bro. I don't know why he's blown up so good or so well. You know, maybe he has worked hard, but I think he is terrible as an interviewer, bro. and he talks so bro, much wait, wait, shit. Wait.
1: Well, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to cut you off. The reason why he gets so many great interviews is because he pays for them. He pays to be on shows. He pays promoters to go and be on shows. That's the only reason why. Because promoters, they're like, oh, you'll give me 500 bucks for you to come and work on my show? Sure, why not? That guy hasn't paid shit. He was a big guy. WWE gave him a shot. He was a big guy. The hepatitis thing came up. And next thing you know, he's out of a job. By the way, one of the very worst interviewers ever. He sounds like a fucking big doofus every time he talks. And I, I, anytime that he'd like, and, and I've been retired from wrestling for a few years now, but anytime he'd like to see my ass, man, I'll be glad to step back into the squared circle because the way he disrespects the greats the legends in professional wrestling, I don't play that. I respect the guys who paved the way for us. I respect those, those Bobby Eaton's, those Ric Flair's, the Sheik's, the Bobo Brazil's, Al Costello. I mean, you you name it, I respect all of those guys. Jerry Lawler's, and, and, and this guy, he just sits around and talks shit about so many people. And he's full of shit, man. And I'm glad you called it out because he is, man. And I hope this video gets back to his ass.
0: Me too, bro. Me too. Yeah, it's uh it's it's just I don't know. I don't know. He pays he pays to play, I suppose. Um
1: <laughs> yeah, he's got some money, man. He and he pays off all of these legends to fucking talk to him. If he didn't pay them, no one would talk to his ass. They wouldn't give a shit about him. First they'd watch his videos and say, God, this guy doesn't even know fucking proper grammar. What the fuck, man?
0: <laughs> oh, dear. Um, <laughs> so uh, through all this time, you know, um, ICP, if they're on tour, would you be on tour with them? Um and when you when they're not on tour, would that be when you're wrestling constantly through the week? How, how was your you know uh, schedule? I guess in the like later uh, time of the '90s.
1: Well, well, in the later '90s, yeah, we would we. My my wrestling career really took off in the late '90s, in the mid '90s. So did ICP's musical career. So there'd be times where I'd be on tour, and then I'd have to leave, fly out. Fly back, back to the tour. I was always on the tours. Um, but we, again, we all achieved our dreams. Excuse me. We all achieved our dreams. Them doing their thing, us doing my, doing my thing, and us getting together in another city, just flying right back out and going right back to the things that we're doing. Nowadays, now that we're much older, retired. I, you know, I retired from wrestling my last match was against Violent J at the last uh, gathering of the Juggalos in front of 12,000 Juggalos. It was great. We had a great time. Um, But I also run my own wrestling promotion here in Detroit and it's called International Big Time Wrestling. And it can be seen on YouTube. And um, it's a throwback to the old school days of wrestling. Not so much um, hardcore wrestling, but more uh, family tradition, if you will. And um, we have a nice audience. We have a great audience. It's on Rocks TV on YouTube. I urge all of my Australian friends to check it out. I think you will really enjoy it. It's it's really good wrestling and uh, by some really good up and comers. And um, I think you'd enjoy it. And by the way, don't forget the farewell tour of Insane Clown Posse is hitting the road in 2022. And you know damn well Rude Boy is going to be a part of that as well.
0: Awesome, bro. Well, thank you for that information. And all the links, everyone, on YouTube when this goes up will be in the description. Um, I, I had to ask this question because um, I, I watched some of this earlier. Um, it was, uh, I believe, the 17th of July and the 18th of July there were there were two days in a row there for the gathering of the juggalos many years back you you worked with Dusty Rhodes on the 17th and then on the 18th you have a three-way against Dusty and Terry Funk and this apparently at the time was supposed to be your final match um how 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 was this how did this all come about And, and what was it like working with these two legends
1: well, what had happened was, uh, I, I got uh, diabetes. I was, I was suffering from diabetes really bad. I didn't know how to control it. I was pretty dumb about it. And um, they, you know, the doctors were like, man, you should probably slow down this and that. And well, um, the promoters uh, of the gathering said, hey, who would you much like to end your career with? And I said, well, of course, Dusty Rhodes. And then I said, wait a minute, Terry Funk. And then so, someone had a bright idea that on the last day we do a three-way. And the whole time, if you watch the video, there's some bootleg video out there. The whole time, I'm bleeding, but I can't stop smiling because I'm in the ring with two of my favorites of all time, two of my, I mean, as a child, my, my childhood heroes. And it was magical, brother, it was, Like right now, my hairs are standing up just thinking about that I was in there with two of the greatest of all time and um, I became very good friends with both of them. It really trips me out that guys like Abdullah the Butcher, Terry Funk, Dusty Rhodes, God rest his soul. these These are my friends after we got to know one another. And when I was a kid, I remember my my teacher in school in the third grade saying, "Okay, everyone, write about your hero in 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 the world." Some kids wrote about Dr. Martin Luther King. Some kids wrote about uh, um, uh, Pete Rose, the baseball player. Some kids wrote about uh, John F. Kennedy. Me, I wrote about the Sheik uh, in wrestling, and he became my friend, and and and. Dude, that's why I say, if a kid from Southwest Detroit can make it and make his dreams come true, so can anybody listening to my voice right now. It's obtainable. And again, back to Dusty Rhodes and uh, Terry Funk, I remember, um, without giving out too much, I remember both of those guys saying, who is going to lay down for me? And um and it was really magical, and it was a really, really beautiful time. Um, and from that point on, Dusty Rhodes, Terry Flunk and I have been friends. When Dusty Rhodes, before Dusty Rhodes passed away, he would send me Christmas cards, and I still have those. And, I, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say that, you know, uh, for what it's worth, you know, I've made a mark on wrestling myself.
0: Absolutely, bro. I, I I saw you pin Dusty Rhodes earlier today. I watched that. <laughs> I thought that was amazing. <laughs> uh, man. Um, so speaking of gathering of the Juggalos, I just wanted to, I, I've asked this to, to to Tony and Pondo as well, but from your perspective, what is the experience at the gathering of the Juggalos like? Because uh, it's been on the bucket list for me for years uh, I've always wanted to go, so please tell me what is that like.
1: First off, let me tell you this, brother: get your ass to the gathering of the Juggalos. It's life changing. We're on our we're on our twenty twenty second uh, one coming up um, this year or next year, and uh, it is just amazing. It truly is a lot of family just getting together, enjoying themselves no fights no nothing going on crazy like that 12,000 people all together camping for 3 days straight 24 hours something going on you may see kid and play at 4 in the morning playing a stage you may see tech nine at 3 in the afternoon you may see um uh Cypress Hill you you never know who you're going to see George Clinton i mean you you just never know who you're going to see, when you're going to see them, and autograph tents, and wrestling, and carnival rides, and it's all one lump sum of money. You don't pay for nothing once you get in there, other than your necessities of food and uh, stuff like that, but you don't pay for autographs, you don't pay for rides, you don't pay for concerts, it's all inclusive, and it's a very magical, magical time. And I urge everyone out there who are listening to watch the United States of Insanity documentary. United States of Insanity documentary. And you'll get a good perspective of the gathering and you'll get a good perspective on, you know, some guys, myself, Violent J, Shaggy Too Dope, Billy Bill, Alex Abyss, Jump Steady, us guys, um, creating a pop culture, a sub-pop culture known as juggalos. And forever, no matter where we go in this world, we have left our fucking mark. When TV shows like King of Queens, Family Guy, Saturday Night Live, Fresh Off the Boat, when all of these shows and more um, talk about Insane Clown Posse, I think we've left our mark. And a lot of it has to do with the gathering of the Juggalos because those who have came out to it, uh, Rolling Stone Magazine, Vibe, uh, uh, Vibe Television, um, uh, Vice Television, they've all come out and said, wow, this is like a world within itself. And we take pride on that. And I'm telling you, my friend, get your ass to the gathering. It'll change your life. (laughs) I'll
0: I'll get there as soon as I possibly can and I'm dying to see the documentary I haven't had the chance to get to it yet but uh, I will as soon as possible. Um, I I wanted to bring up a bunch of your friends here uh, a bunch of guys that were quite you know um, I guess synonymous with working for JCW and uh, working with you as well. I know on September 6 2005 you you uh, wrestled at IWA East coast property damage guaranteed in a type A death match against madman Pondo. I had Pondo on the show, obviously. He's the guy that connected you and I for this interview. Um, fantastic guy. Hilarious guy. I just wanted to know if he had any stories uh, of, of Pondo and you know, and what you, how you feel about him.
1: <laughs> oh God. I have stories with Pondo. Oh my God. Um, you can find one of my stories in, in uh, my life, the Fun House, uh, the Rudy Hill story, um, the, in the new book. Uh, but <laughs> some of the stories I sure as hell can't tell here. But um, I, I, on a heartfelt one, on a heartfelt one, uh, Pondo and I we were wrestling in uh, Charleston, West Virginia, and we were wrestling for a good friend of ours, uh, Woody Numbers. God rest him, his soul. Uh, Woody was a great guy. Um, Pondo and I, we were scheduled to have the main event. I was the JCW world champion. Shane Douglas was the uh, special guest referee. And um, I used to think that I I used to have anxiety wrestling, believe it or not. And I had done it for over 20 years at this time. But I would go and I would drink before I'd get into the ring. I I drink a case of beer. So that particular night I, I was pretty, I was pretty fucking drunk. I was pretty liberated. They the promoter said, please don't go into the crowd. What do I do? The first thing I do, I go into the crowd. I'm drunk. I don't care. We go, we have the match. It's it's the total shits. Holy hell, shitty ass match. Thanks to me. And I remember Pondo pulling me in the dressing room, not in front of anybody. But he pulled me to the side and he looked me in my eyes and he said, Rudy, you're fucking up. You have the world by the balls, you're fucking up. And I'm telling you this because I love you. Please, let's not do that ever again. And I looked Pondo in his eyes and I said, I promise you that'll never happen again. The following night we wrestled in Chicago, the very following night. And I was, I didn't drink that night and I was nervous going to the ring. And I gotta be honest with you, my friend. We had a five-star fucking match. And from that point on, I never looked back. I never had a a, a sip of alcohol being in the ring with anyone after that. And I, I think that I think um I thank Madman Pondo for for that because you know Pondo is more than a friend. He's my brother. He really is. I know that's an old cliche but Pando is someone who understands me. Uh, I'm going through a brutal divorce right now after 28 years. And Pando is the only guy in my world who, in, in, in all of my world, who checks on me daily to make sure I'm okay. And he's just there for me, man. And I'm, I'm, I'm blessed and I'm thankful for him. He truly is my brother and I love him. And that's the truth. Oh, that's cool, bro. Thanks for sharing
0: such a personal story there with me. That was uh, uh, really nice of you. Um, and, and yeah, uh, I, I could tell he's a, just such a great guy. Um, I, I want to bring up another name here, Corporal Robinson. Uh, when I brought up his name to Pondo, he buried him. <laughs> in Fuck a fun him. way, though. <laughs> is
1: him. he is he a pain in the ass, is he? Um, He's not a pain in the ass. He's just a, a fucking full of shit asshole um he's uh he's yeah he's totally full of shit and um uh he fucked over a lot of juggalos he he, he ripped them off for a lot of money uh selling, oh, okay. bogus, selling bogus uh 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 gathering tickets stealing oh, shit. Uh, jerseys and whatnot from psychopathic records and selling them and uh yeah that's all i got to say about him is fuck him man
0: Okay. Uh my apologies. I wasn't aware of any no, of this beforehand. Like no, I got
1: apologize. <laughs> like I told like I like I told you like I told you earlier. I'm going to open book. Anything anyone you want to talk about. I I ain't. I ain't got I ain't I I I ain't got a I don't mix words about nobody.
0: <laughs> oh dear. Well, yeah, no fair enough. Thanks, bro. Um okay. We'll we'll, we'll get onto someone more positive. Too tough
1: Tony. Too Tough Tony. What can I say, man? Too Tough Tony, um, too tough, Tony is one of those guys who I, I'm really shocked that he's not or hasn't had a job with one of the bigger uh, federations. Even at, at an older age, at what he is now, I still feel he would be a great agent for AEW or NXT because of the knowledge that he has of wrestling. Me and Tony have had some great matches. Look, it's no secret, I'm not the greatest wrestler in the world. But when I work with guys like Too Tough Tony, they make me look like a million dollars. And Tony, again, he's another one of my brothers who I I love dearly.
0: Awesome, bro. Uh, A couple more names I wanted to bring up. Tracy Smothers. I know Tracy Smothers was uh, just somebody that was always there for a lot of younger talent, and I know he worked a lot in JCW. Uh, may he rest in peace. Um, if you could share any any sentiments about Mr. Smothers, please.
1: The floor is yours. Uh, Tracy was so good to me. He was so good to me. I'm sorry. That's okay. Tracy Smothers. He was a guy who was a legend who always went above and beyond whenever we had. He was just such a wonderful friend and and such a wonderful piece of my history and my life. Someone who I um, God. God, I miss him every day. I used to be able to get on the phone and call him whenever I had a problem and um, God, he was just an amazing man and shame on the WWE. If them fuckers don't put Tracy Smothers in the hall of fame because he was truly a hall of famer, truly an MVP, truly someone in the locker room who always encouraged the young guys always was great to them. Most Veterans were assholes to the young guys, but not Tracy. Tracy Smothers always wanted to uplift the young guys. And man, I miss him. God, I miss you, Tracy. Thanks for sharing that, bro. Yeah, when I interviewed Tony, that was the
0: week that uh, uh, Tracy had passed away. So as soon as I brought up Tracy's name to him, it was pretty much a, a very similar reaction to you. Um, but I thought it was important to bring him up because everyone loves him and always has something positive to say about him. Absolutely. Um, Okay, and the last guy I wanted to bring up was someone you had a few bloody battles with, that's for sure, Uh, Necro Butcher. Uh, Because I know New Year's Eve 2013, you defeated him to become the JCW World Heavyweight Champion, which I think was pretty cool at that point in your career that you could actually hold up that world championship. Um, So please tell me a little bit about him, but also after that, uh, tell me what it was like to to be able to, you know, be given bestowed this honor of being the JCW World Heavyweight Champion.
1: I was the JCW World Heavyweight Champion. I'm. I still am the World Heavyweight Champion because I was never beaten. <laughs> that's God's honest truth. I was never beaten. I was stripped of the belt when I didn't make an event in uh, Toledo, Ohio. Um, we had some car trouble leaving uh, Cincinnati, and uh, I was stripped of the belt. I never lost the belt. Um, Necro Butcher. Here's what I could say about Necro Butcher. He is truly he is truly a certified genius believe it or not he's a part of the mensa uh, group like he is a true genius and um he's another guy who in wrestling i i'm shocked doesn't have a job working behind the scenes because he's such a great mind for the business he understands finishes he understands crowd reaction and more than that He understands the psychology of wrestling. And so many uh, blood battles have I had with Necro Butcher. He's my brother. He's my friend. Politically, we don't see eye to eye. Um, uh, Our politics are 100% different. But he's still my buddy. And he's the only guy that I've ever met in my life that beat cancer. Like beat the shit... They were like, man, Necro Butcher has a couple months to live. Bro, that was three years ago. And he's still kicking ass. And you know what? And I also got to say this, man. I got to say this about Necro Butcher. He also turned me on to uh, Korean baseball. And uh, we have a love for baseball together. And I love it. And I love Necro. He's my boy.
0: Uh, that's good, Brad. Good to get an update on him because I've had – no uh, um, idea about where he's at right now. So good to see that he's okay. Um, Absolutely. uh, Of course, if anyone's going to beat it, he's going to beat it. Uh.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no shit. Let me say this. He's the toughest guy I've ever been in the ring with ever. And I've been in there with Greg Valentine, honky tonk, man, Kamala, Dusty Rhodes, Kevin Sullivan, the Sheik. I mean, and Necro is the toughest one I've ever been in the ring with.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I watched a match with you and him earlier, the one where you won the t- title, and uh, you threw you threw him off the top rope onto that like chair that was folded out. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> yeah, bro, it looked like it was fun. Uh, speaking of fun, I wanted to ask this question. If you walked backstage at a JCW show, what might somebody see?
1: Well, you'd see intensity because the JCW guys know that they're getting an opportunity to be seen in front of a lot of people at a, lot of, at a good time. And um, there's a lot of intensity, there's a lot of chaos. and But more than that, there's a bunch of guys that are going for the common goal is to put on the very best show that they can. Once upon a time, JCW was the number three promotion in the world. And I I fully stand by that. And I believe in that. And JCW has gone through some uh, rebuilding stages. And I have a crazy hunch after talking to Violent J two days ago that JCW is on the prowl again. And it's going to get even bigger and better in 2022.
0: Yeah, man, that will be awesome because, like, when I when I search out for footage of JCW, usually it's like a, a fan footage uh, in the crowd. It'll be cool to see some internet pay-per-views on Fight TV or something like that. Um, you know, with a really nice setup with like you know multiple cameras. I think that would be really cool.
1: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> I agree. Um, uh, earlier. We, you had mentioned it uh when you had your final match with Violent Jay in that double retirement at uh Gathering of the Juggalo's twenty nineteen. Um tell me a little bit about how that came together. Did did uh Jay say, you know what, well, I want to go out there and do one more? You know, would you be willing to to get back in the ring and 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 work with me for this last match and we'll both retire together? Uh, please tell me a little bit about that.
1: Well, I had already been retired for a few years up until that day. Um, I had open heart surgery back in uh 2016 and I died twice on the table during surgery. And um right then and there the doctor said, You gotta you gotta retire, man. You gotta retire from wrestling. So I did. I took their advice and I retired. Then um, 2019, Violent J said, man, I, I can't do it no more. My knees are weak. I'm, I, I'm just, you know, I'm, we're, we're getting old, man. You can't fight father time. And he said, man, it would sure be great, Rudy, if, since we started our careers in wrestling together, that we end it together. And I thought about it, and I seen some specialists, I seen some doctors, and they convinced me that I would be okay So we put together this program uh, and we had some really great vignettes going back and forth. You can look them up on YouTube. They're, they're awesome. And um, we went out there brother and we, we had one of the best matches we've ever had. It was fun. It was exciting. And at the end of the match, there's some fan footage where you could see, I'm just bawling my eyes out crying because man, I got to do something with my best friend, something that we started together and we ended together. And from that moment on, I was all about JCW backstage, but I was also about international big time wrestling and how I wanted to shape that and how I wanted to give the younger wrestlers a shot and and, and some of the, even the old timers a shot back. You know, you talked about Tracy Smothers earlier. Tracy Smothers was one of our first World Heavyweight Champions at uh, International Big Time Wrestling. And um, so I really started to focus on that. But that particular night was magical in the ring. And me having Joel Gertner from ECW as my manager was classic. I mean, that was classic. It was just one of the, it was was a, a night where we had magic in a bottle and it felt great.
0: Awesome, bro. No, it, there's nothing better than when you're, you're going to sail off to the sunset to do it the right way, and then you don't have any regrets on how you go out. You look back on that so fondly, uh, and so I just think that is incredibly important. But one question I always have for people that have retired from wrestling is once you're done, how do you fill the void, the void of not only being able to be creative in the ring, but the void of you walk through that curtain, you fill that adrenaline rush. What, do you, what did you, ha, how have you been able to adapt and, and get that kind of feeling from something else in your life?
1: IBW wrestling, international big-time wrestling. It's, it's given me the, the uh, tools of being creative. And you talk about, you know, like when you go back on Rocks TV, that's R-O-X dash tv face uh, um youtube go watch some of our shows called the fix and just like you said my friend we have different camera angles we have it shot in a a nice small studio like the old wrestling days and it's really given me a a a creative outlet it's really given me a chance where i'm like i miss being in the ring but i'm so busy doing all of this producing and directing and booking that I don't have time to really to miss it and um I love JCW I get to do it with uh, my son Carlito and um and we have an awesome team at Rocks TV and I think your viewers and yourself will be pleasantly surprised on how good our shit is
0: Well, and again, everyone, once again, all the links will be there in the description on YouTube when this goes out. I'm definitely going to check some of it out. Uh, And another thing that I can't wait to check out is My Life, The Fun House. Please tell me a little bit about uh, putting this together. Obviously, you've got a tremendous amount of stories. So many things have happened in your life. Uh, you know you just said that you had open heart surgery that is a very hectic thing for something to happen in somebody's life and that's just one thing everything else you've had quite the life my friend so please tell me about how you decided to put this together
1: well without giving too much away um there's a there's an author named mike shepherd and um me and him we hooked up and i um Back in 2017, I was diagnosed with early dementia and um, because I I have memory loss really bad. And um, my son Carlito said, man, you really need to document all of the things that you've done in your life. So when I met Mike Shepard, this author, excuse me, I told him, I says, I'm interested in doing a book. And he says, man, I am all over it. Let's do it. And so a year and a half, he followed me around. We told stories. We laughed. We cried. I mean, it was very therapeutic for me. In the midst of all of this, while he's following me around, I uh, start to go through a divorce with my wife of 28 years. um, A lot of people don't know this, but... um, I attempted suicide back in April unsuccessfully, thankfully. And um Mike Shepard was there to document it. And Mike Shepard said, We can keep all of this out of the book. I said, No, I want it all in the book. Because if it could help someone else that, you know, I suffer from depression and anxiety, man. You know, everyone looks at me, they're like, Man, that's the mighty Rude Boy. But Rude Boy also is Rudy Hill who has feelings, who is not a machine, who is not made of steel and who really needed help after uh, 28 years of not having the same woman in my life and her being with someone else, it really fucked me up. And um, I had to learn to cope with it. And I I had to learn to ask for help, which I never, I used to, I used to think, man, depression and anxiety, that's all in your head. It, It is in your head. But I also used to think, You could just handle it and fuck that. You don't need no therapist or psychiatrist or nothing like that until I went and seen a therapist and it changed my life, brother. It really did. And for those who are out there listening and you feel like you're depressed and you feel like you're at the end of your rope, talk to someone, man. Talk to someone. I mean, talk to me. I always say this on every one of my interviews. 313-675-3367. 313-675-3367. That is my personal phone number. You call me if you're feeling depressed. I don't just talk about it. I am about it. I don't want to see no one suffer what I did. And it's important that I let people know that I'm not just over here blowing smoke up your ass. I'm giving you my personal number. If you really need to talk to someone, my phone is on. Let me also say this. There were great times in the book. Great times. Me being invited with Isham, the great Isham, uh to the American Music Awards and sitting with the great Dick Clark and 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 uh just all of these wonderful stories of triumph and what we've done in our lives it's psychopathic and uh being at woodstock 99 in front of 200,000 people as far as your eyes could see as far as your eyes visually could see there were people and it was quite frightening but it was exciting and it was so fun being backstage at uh monday nitro every week uh monday night raw uh, ECW. There are so many great, great stories. And I urge you to pick up the book. I, I, I'm i not just saying this because I've read a million biographies and I'll put this biography against any one of them.
0: Awesome, bro. Awesome. Wow. And uh, I want to thank you for, for being so honest and personal about all of that stuff. I suffer from depression too. I've had the black cloud over my head many times and what you said is so correct because there was a time in my life where I'd never felt joy in anything. And I didn't know what was wrong. I didn't know why I was so flat all the time and nothing made me happy. I saw somebody, I spoke to them for a good six to 12 months. And then after that, I finally found that passion and joy in, in the small things in yeah. life and everything in life again. So you're on the money bro, there, my friend.
1: Bro, man, you just, you just made my day, man. I swear to God. We're just getting our day started here in Detroit on on the different time zone. And you just really, for real, just put a glow about me, man. And I love it. And I thank you for sharing that, man. I really do. That's awesome. Everyone needs to know that you don't have to be ashamed to get help. Help, that's what it's there for.
0: One hundred percent, bro. One hundred percent. I've had so much fun chatting to you uh, tonight, my friend. Uh, and I say my friend because I feel like through an hour of us having a conversation that we are now friends. Um,
1: Absolutely.
0: It, this has been a joy, but uh, we we still have one segment to go here, Rudy. Uh, one segment left. It's called Five Second Frenzy. You have five seconds to answer each question. Even if you break the five second rule, there's nothing I can do about it. So <laughs> it's quick fire questions for quick fire answers. The first three are about wrestling. Who is your favorite wrestler of all time? The Chic. Excellent. Over the years, if you could pick one guy to be your favorite opponent, who was it? Big Chuck Wagon. Excellent. Uh, If you could pick one match, one match in your career that is the one that you're most fond of, which one was it?
1: Violent J versus Rude Boy.
0: Excellent. What a way to go out. Um, And following that, we're moving away from wrestling now. Favorite book?
1: Favorite book? Oh, my God. Uh, The Holy Quran. Very nice. Uh, Favorite TV show? Favorite TV show, King of Queens. <laughs> very Ann good. And
0: Wentworth. Excellent, excellent choice. uh Favorite film? Purple Rain. Oh, very good, bro. Very good. uh Favorite musical artist? Prince. <laughs> awesome, bro. Awesome. I got to see him perform about two months before he passed away, so I was very lucky there.
1: Fuck yeah, that's great.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. I'm glad I that we I've
1: seen him 17
0: times. Oh, very cool, bro. Very cool. Yeah. Very jealous. <laughs> uh, moving away hey, from brother, the arts now. you got now. to see him on his last tour.
1: I'm very jealous. <laughs>
0: uh, uh, moving away from the arts now, bro. Favorite food? Favorite food. Chinese food. Nice. Yes. Very good. Uh, favorite place to eat on the road?
1: Oh, um, uh, uh, oh, Jack in the Box. Um, oh,
0: awesome. I'm jealous because we don't have that, a lot of the uh, fast food outlets that the U.S. have over here. We've only got about, you know, just, you know, the, the same old ones, McDonald's, etc. cetera.
1: Um, when you come to the gathering, you'll be able to eat Jack in the Box. Oh, okay, excellent. <laughs> My treat. Uh, thanks, Pre.
0: Uh Three more left. Favorite alcoholic beverage, even if you don't drink anymore. I don't know what if you if you do or not, but if oh, I very years. much
1: drink a lot.
0: Okay, okay, not a problem. <laughs> no. <laughs> my
1: favorite is Modelo beer.
0: Oh, Modelo, very nice bro. very nice. I used to work in a liquor store, so my my knowledge of beers is quite vast. Um, yeah, second last one here, rude boy. Uh, favorite female body part. You see a good looking lady, where do the rude boy's eyes go to first?
1: That fat ass. Oh, Did I say that?
0: <laughs> yeah, bro. That's my that's my answer too.
1: And the last
0: one here on five second frenzy, my friend, is favorite curse word.
1: Oh, um, favorite curse word. Uh, cunt. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah that's probably the number one word on if it was if this was a family feud that would be the number one answer here in australia that's for sure Uh, i love it rude boy i want to thank you so much for your time on the show here um i've learned so much i was so excited to talk to you about everything that you've accomplished you've accomplished so much you have this wonderful life that you've You've lived, and now it's in this book, my life, the Funhouse. Which I, I, I implore all of you juggalos out there, and even if you're not a juggalo, this is a story about someone's life, someone that lived their dream. This is something that you got to be a part of. So um, you have lived this incredible life, and you have a friend in the most isolated city in the world, right here, right now, saying that I hope that you are so proud of what you've accomplished, my friend.
1: I really am. And once again, I'd like to thank you and uh, your viewers for allowing me to take up some time today. It's really been a pleasure of mine. And I like to always leave everyone with these final words. We're not here for a long time. We're here for a good time. Be good to one another. Take care of one another. And until we meet again, God bless you. Peace and love.
0: Awesome, Rude Boy. Well, thank you again, bro. I really appreciate it.
1: Happy holidays and uh, happy new year. Thanks, bro.
0: And thank you everyone out there for watching the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm California alongside Rude Boy, and we will see you down the road. Thank you.